Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, our weekly review of business stories from Caixin. Big news for foreign companies and a big step for highly protective Beijing last week with the Ministry of Finance saying overseas firms will finally be allowed to own majority stakes up to 51% of any joint ventures in the securities, funds, and futures industries. The ministry did not say when the new 51% cap would become effective, but it added that the cap would be lifted entirely within three years. Caps off to that, Beijing. A general version of popular voice and instant messaging service Skype is no longer available on Apple's China App Store, although a business version is still present, after Apple said it was notified by the Ministry of Public Security that it had violated local rules. This is the latest in a string of actions by Beijing against offshore-based messaging and telecom services. The removal comes just weeks after WhatsApp, owned by social networking giant Facebook, became frequently blocked in China. Beijing also blocks Facebook, Google, and other popular foreign social networking apps. Could you buy a jumbo jet on Amazon? Well, you can on China's Taobao, and a Chinese air freight company just did. SF Airlines, a subsidiary of delivery giant SF Express, snapped up a pair of Boeing 747s that had been seized by a Shenzhen court's judicial auction arm, the price tag $48 million. The Shenzhen court seized three Beijing 747s after cargo airline Jade Cargo International filed for bankruptcy in 2013. Jade chose to sell them through the Alibaba-owned e-commerce platform after failing to offload them six times in offline private auctions. After beating out 25 bidders, SF became the new owner of the two jets that had been stored in Shanghai Pudong International Airport since 2013. There was no word whether the planes were going to be delivered by ground or by air. Delivery firms have warned that Beijing deliveries may be delayed, as local government institutes citywide safety checks following the fire that killed 19 people, including eight children. Kuaidi, or courier companies, including ZTO Express and STO Express, informed their customers that delivery times may be impacted as authorities start a 40-day inspection period throughout the capital. 
Launched by the Beijing Administration of Work Safety, the checks follow a major fire in suburban Daxing District last week that engulfed a crowded apartment building that was apparently home mostly to migrant workers and their families. Migrant workers, who make up the bulk of low-end labor providing services that Beijingers have come to rely on, are often forced to live in unsafe conditions due to the lack of affordable housing. Authorities say that the blaze started in an underground refrigerated warehouse and that the unlicensed workers who installed the wiring have been arrested. The local government-backed bike rental service in the capital of Hubei province has announced it will shut down in the face of pressure from the shared bikes that have flooded into Chinese cities. Wuhan Huantou, the operator of Wuhan's bike rental service, said in a statement that its bicycle business had ceased operations on Sunday. This means its 40,000 public bikes will be removed from the city's streets. Huantou said it will, quote, transform and upgrade to continue providing intelligent management and smart transportation for the city, unquote, but did not explain what specific services it will offer. Huantou was seen riding away on a mobike. Sorry, that was truly ofo. Air China has suspended flights from Beijing to North Korea's capital due to weak demand, a company representative told Taishin. The suspension halts one of the few international flights to North Korea, just as tensions rise between it and the United States, which recently put North Korea back on a list of state sponsors of terrorism. Air China's decision came shortly after a visit by a senior Chinese envoy to the North Korean capital of Pyongyang. Air China is the only airline besides North Korea's own Air Koryo that operates flights in and out of the isolated country. China's flights to Pyongyang, which began in 2008, have been frequently suspended in the past, according to Chinese state media. Chinese social networking giant Tencent briefly passed U.S. peer Facebook in market value to become the world's fifth most valuable company following a major rally on bullish sentiment about Tencent's growth prospects. Both companies have current market values of about $520 billion, making them the world's fifth and sixth biggest publicly listed firms by market cap. Tencent and Chinese internet rival Alibaba both zoomed into the global top 10 this year as their shares soared on optimistic growth prospects. Despite their huge sizes, each company consistently posts solid double-digit growth, both in terms of profits and revenue, as they consolidate their leading positions in e-commerce for Alibaba and online gaming for Tencent. Let's turn now to some of Caixin Global's writers and editors for an in-depth look at some of the week's major stories. First up is Caixin senior editor Doug Young. Doug, this week we're talking about micro-lending in China, so give us a little background on this. I don't think quite everyone knows what micro-lenders do in China. Okay, well, micro-lenders, you have to understand a little bit about China to understand these guys. Micro-lenders are essentially what we would think of in the same category as credit cards in the West. China was socialist and communist for a long time, so they didn't have credit cards, and they really still don't. They haven't made much of an inroad here. And what's sort of come to fill the gap are these micro-lenders, and they're basically companies that, you know, like a credit card would do. They advance you $50 here, $70 there, $12 there, but The way they do it is all through these very short-term loans and small-volume loans over the internet, and it's done almost like a credit card. You know, they evaluate your credit worthiness using your past data about your buying habits, the same way company would do in the U.S., a credit card company. And then, you know, they advance you the money, and and you're expected to pay it back within whatever, a month or two months. And 
they're also like the credit card companies that they are a little bit deceptive in the kinds of interest rates they charge. You know, the credit card company will say, oh, only 2% per month. They always quote it per month. But then when you annualize that, it becomes 24%, 2% becomes 24%. And, and the Chinese companies are doing similar stuff. Sometimes people saying that they you know, could charge as much as 100% a year, but they disguise that by saying, you know, oh, only 0.5% daily interest. So that's what these guys are. And they're all very new, pretty much exclusively online. And they, you know, they go after consumers. You know, a lot of them tend to be people who can't access credit otherwise, like blue collar workers and entrepreneurs and, and those kinds of people, students as well. So something's changed, I take it. Tell us what's happened now. Well, so what's happened is this industry has just blown up overnight. You know, within the last two years, it's just exploded and it's actually produced a bunch of real high, high growth hot companies, few of which have just listed in the US and in Hong Kong. And so what's happened is they've exploded, but you know, these are very young companies. They don't really understand risk so much. You know, China's pretty new at evaluating people's credit. So now the regulator is suddenly freaking out because these things were licensed originally at the province level. So there's no central authority overseeing them. And now the central government is freaking out that, oh, my God, if, you know, if they're not careful, uh, we could have some, some huge crises on our hands because, you know, look, who, look at who they're lending to. They don't have that much experience in risk management and so forth. So the government stepped in at the beginning of the week and basically told all the provinces, no more new licenses, because the licenses were all being issued at the provincial level. And then as the week has gone on, they've been starting to try and meet with provincial uh, banking regulators and get a dialogue going, but basically formulate a national policy towards these micro lenders and probably clean up the sector, you know, find ones that maybe don't meet the kinds of standards the central bank thinks they should be meeting. So clean up this industry, get rid of some of the weaker, less well-managed companies, and just put the better ones on a tighter leash. And finally, Doug, there's been some impact on these companies' stocks, I take it. Tell us about that. Yeah, actually, they, these companies, a big part of them are newly listed because they're all such young companies. The, in the last few months, we probably had three or four major ones list, and their stocks are just totally taking a bath right now uh, because everyone's worried about what's going to happen with this regulation. Uh, you know, Will their growth be severely crimped when they have to start doing whatever these new policies that come out? So you're seeing the, the, the big one is called Chudian. They're a micro lender and they went public about a month and a half ago and their stock initially went way up. It was up 20, 30%. And now it's actually down 30% or more than 30%. So you're talking a pretty big swing there, 60%. Uh, there's another one called PP Dye that's also taking a nose dive. Another one called Hushin Dye, which also, they're, they're all taking a bath. Uh, you know, just everyone's worried right now. Well, thanks, Doug. And as always, we'll check back in with you in a few weeks or months and see whether they're still afloat. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Thanks, Kaiser. Next, let's chat with Purnima Wiersekera, editor at Caixin Global, with news from the subaltern beat. So we've got another scandal here, Purnima, this time involving abuse at a Beijing kindergarten. What's happened now? Chinese social media was abuzz again after a scandal at a Beijing kindergarten surfaced. There were video clips of parents saying that they have found needle marks on children 
between the ages of two to six. At least eight children have gone through a medical check and police have confirmed that they have been jabbed by their teachers. And some of the parents say that the children were given white pills and a brown color syrup. The police say that they are investigating into these claims. Three teachers have been suspended. Now, if you remember, Kaiser, this is the second big abuse case involving toddlers that we have seen in less than two weeks. The previous one was in Shanghai at a nursery affiliated with C-Trip, China's biggest online travel agent. In that case, teachers were found to be slapping children, even forcing them to eat wasabi. And again, leaked video footage showed um, a teacher pushing a child and she fell, hitting her head. So this has been a topic that has touched a raw nerve among the Chinese public and many people are asking why haven't authorities really done anything about it so far? I, I can imagine having raised young kids in China and known how Chinese parents are about their kids that they'd be pretty darned irate. Um, you say though that the authorities haven't really done anything do they expect a central government response? So far, we've just seen responses from the city or municipal governments or very local responses. In the Beijing case, the Chaoyang District Education Authority says it's still investigating. Three teachers have been suspended, but no one has been arrested so far. And what's interesting is that the kindergarten in question now is part of one of China's largest kindergarten networks. It was run by this company called RYB Education Institute, which just listed in New York end of September. So this company has more than 175 kindergartens across the country. And this is the second time that one of its centers has come under the spotlight for abuse. Just last year, three of its teachers were jailed for up to 34 months for the same offense of jabbing children with needles. And why are they doing this? Some parents say that this is a way to scare children to be obedient. But even in the previous case, there was criticism saying that the punishment was too light for such an abuse. So do we now expect Beijing to take some action? So the bigger problem is that a lot of the responses to these abuse cases have been limited to the district education authority punishing them, a few court cases. But the problem is there is no national or provincial level legislation to look at who should have oversight on nurseries or kindergartens. And what kind of qualifications should these teachers have? What kind of training should they be given? So without anyone monitoring what's really happening, without anyone checking what kind of people are hired, how can you prevent abuse? Well, Purnima, thanks for talking to us and let's speak again really soon. Thanks, Kaiser. That's this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Drop me an email at kaiser at subchina.com with your feedback. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SupChina and is produced, recorded, and edited by Kaiser Guo, with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin and Tanner Brown of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out the Seneca Podcast, the current affairs show that I host with Jeremy Goldcorn, and follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care. Take care.